it was pretty fun. Like I was, I was clearly like shit face. Like you were clearly giving a cry for help. And yeah. uh, no one provided it. <laughs> no one provided it. <laughs> People were just like, oh, yes, uh, laugh, sad clown. L- yeah. like, we're going to laugh at you, sad clown. Um, I think um, that particular day is what sort of precipitated... <laughs> oh, my uh, God. Because I, I, I don't think I... I don't think... Did I give you any help? I don't think I did. No, 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 no. Like, no none of us know, did. No. I mean, like, yeah, it was, <laughs> it was a quote-unquote cry for help. But, like, uh, I was comedy. still together enough that, like... Like, in my normal way of mm. being, like, clearly... Clearly on, on the edge, but like <laughs> on the ropes, but like <laughs> holding it together enough that people are like ah, he'll be fine for at least another twenty four hours, <laughs> <laughs> at least and at most. <laughs> um, I try to laugh about it, hiding my tears in my eyes, cause boys don't cry. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to Brief Benefits for Hideous Man. I'm your host, Jez Watts. Uh, guys, thanks uh, for tuning in for one more week. Uh, as you can probably tell from the sting, yes, uh, this is a kind of a serious one. Uh, myself and a uh, good friend, friend of the show, uh, talented comedian uh, Ben Mulvey, uh, we talk about uh, what it has been like for him to uh, go into Prozac. Like he's been wrestling with depression for a large portion of his life, as I think a lot of people in the arts in general, but particularly in stand-up. Like I think it's true for a lot of us. Um, and so, yeah, just just we have a bit of a chat about w- what it's been like to kind of acknowledge having a problem, and then and then sort of actually taking some action. Uh, to to treat the problem, I think it's an interesting thing uh, to talk about. Um, so it's a pretty quick chat. I think it's only about uh, sort of uh, twenty thirty minutes, forty minutes. Maybe. Well, I think it's like like half an hour interview um, where we talk about this. Um, but I think it's I think it's a worthwhile conversation. I think uh, I'm 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 glad we talked about it. Um, not only at all, but also like on, on air, so to speak. I think it's I think it's a good thing. Um, but anyway. Uh, that's 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 by the by the podcast is coming up. You will you will hear if you are interested in it. Uh, the talking as it will be. Um, that's pretty much it for the intro. You can uh, of course, if you want to support the show, you can like us on Facebook, uh, facebook.com slash brief hideous. You can follow us on Twitter at brief hideous. Uh, you can uh, subscribe to us on iTunes. That would be a sweet if you guys wouldn't mind doing that. And of course, you can also stream the show at impenetrable.com dot a u okay that's pretty much it for the introduction welcome ladies and gentlemen to episode uh, which episode was it i think it's episode episode uh, episode 16 uh episode 16 um comedy plus time equals depression Like I know, like when I when I like take uh, when I take like MDMA, right? Like 
Uh, let's put it in my terms. <laughs> like in self-destructive drug use. Um, like when I take like MDMA, like when I take the pill or whatever, in that moment, like immediately I'm like, ooh, I'm having fun. Now, uh, when you like start taking antidepressants, do you go like, "Oh, I'm getting on top of a problem"? Like, is that how it feels? Yes, and to I would certainly degree? say, like, in the first week, definitely. Like, I would get out of bed, and first thing I do would be to take the Prozac mm-hmm. pill, and then I would like go outside and water some plants, and like, I don't know, it just felt like I had much more of a structured sort of regiment to yep. what I was doing, and I think that definitely contributed, um, uh, certainly in the initial stages of being like, okay, no, I'm doing something good, I'm making positive steps. Right. That has waned a bit, um, and now I'm just so it's like, like when like you sort of start like exercising, where you're like, yeah, all right, is yeah. that that sort of initial enthusiasm on like positive life change or whatever? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. and that, yeah, that makes sense that that would drop yeah. drop out a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know. Like I, again, like uh, you know, doctors advise me that it usually takes up to like six weeks for it to have an effect. Other people I've talked to have been like, ah, it's like a week and a half, and then you're good. But I, I haven't noticed any dramatic shifts. And I think in how generally I feel. you should probably go with the doctors, right? Like, because yes. because they've studied it and like they're yeah. kind of experts. Absolutely, yeah. and because a lot of people seem to have a lot of opinions about like depression and like uh, drug treatment in general. That, totally. that I've talked to, and people, yeah. some of them got like crazy ideas. Yeah, and I suppose you know, again, like if you're talking to someone who has been on medication before, like there's only going to be their personal anecdotal experience, yeah, for sure. Because than... it's it's so different for so many different people. Mm. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I would say any positive effects I've had so far have just been because I've you know been doing something like i've taken some steps rather than actually having a pharmacological but what are those positive effects Um, whatever the cause whatever the reason um i don't know i guess i feel more um determined or more decisive uh, about things um i'm tending to make choices wherein like rather than electing to just like stay at home by myself i'll be like actually no i will go to this thing or and engage with the world yeah engage with the world um and uh yeah i would say like i've had less anxiety about stuff yeah um just sort of general like my like i'm always operating at about like a minimum 40 percent anxiety level at any given time and so that's lowered somewhat or at least the the high points have been diminished okay cool um yeah because yeah prozac like the way that works is to pretty much just level out the peaks and the furrows right like it's sort of um, it, it, I, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, right? Because oh, yeah. I assume your doctor mm-hmm. discussed it with you. Like, um, yeah. from what I understand of Prozac, uh, I mean, because different antidepressants work differently, right? Mm-hmm. Like, from what I understand of Prozac is it sort of uh, it cuts off the extremes of um, your emotional reaction to things, so yeah. you won't like sort of spin out um, low or high yeah. as much, right? So, uh, or, just, um, or, I, I don't know. To I, be honest, uh, yeah, I don't, um, I don't really understand any of this stuff. Yeah, I mean, my understanding, I suppose, was that it operates essentially sort of like that, I guess. Yeah, like kind of leveling off the the peaks and troughs. Mm. Um, Though, yeah, to be honest, I probably should. I I did a bit of reading when I was put on it, and I probably should know a little bit more. To be honest, like... I think if you trust your doctor, I mean, you don't necessarily need to know. Yeah. Um, Like, because I think... Like what we're talking about with the placebo effect, right? Like mm. maybe having too many specific expectations of it could even be bad or harmful. Yeah. Where then you sort of get in your head and you sort of create this reality of effect where maybe there isn't. Like maybe it's better just to sort of be like, well, the doctor said go on this. 
I'll go on mm. this and then just try to make good moves in your life. Absolutely. And I've I've been trying to yeah, not have a predetermined idea of like what this is what effect this is gonna have or yep. that it's gonna like, you know, revolutionize my life or anything like that. I'm just sort of taking it and following the directions and yeah, just seeing what happens. But you do seem way better. Oh, you yeah. you do like like yeah, I mean obviously like super subjectively or whatever, mm. but like when I've been seeing you over the last like few weeks, like you now seem to be uh, much more sort of at peace. Mm. Um, that sounds like you're dying, but like uh, like but, much more sort of content. Yeah, I, it's definitely I, ego, perhaps. But maybe, <laughs> maybe, yeah. But um, um, but I no, I would say that's right. I do feel a lot more calm and mm. just. And you do seem like more assured, more assured mm. yourself. And I don't know um, if that's because you feel like positive changes, or just or if that's just the effects of the drugs or whatever. But mm. like, um, yeah, you you seem like a person with your life a lot more together yeah. um, than, yeah, even just like four weeks ago. Yeah. Yeah, which is a, it's a cool thing to see. Yeah, it's, it, it's, a, it's a cool thing to experience. <laughs> <laughs> um, what, do you, what do you think this, uh, how do you think this affects your comedy, if at all? Um, I don't know. Like, I, I guess I, I, in fact, I don't, no, I haven't written anything um, since going on antidepressants. Yeah, because that's like now weeks. Is that like because uh, you were pretty um, sporadic, I think, in your generation material anyway? Mm, mm. Um, is that really exceptionally unnormal? No, that's no, no that, that is that is that's yeah. So a few we- a few weeks between spurts or whatever, like yeah, that's yeah, that's fine. Um, yeah, yeah. So I I I don't know that it's affected my comedy in terms of writing. Mm-hmm. Um. Because uh, yeah, it's, I'm always kind of doing it in fitness spurts, as you say. Um, Performance-wise, uh, I've had a really good run in mm-hmm. the last few weeks. Like all the, all the sets I've been doing have been going really well, apart from like, like still, one or two. Are you still were... doing the depressing material? Yeah, yeah, Cause, yeah. Because yeah. yeah, for sure. Like, um, I like cause just before I went to um, like Melbourne and Sydney, like mm. like, a, like about a month ago or whatever. Like, uh, you would on like a run of bad gigs, mm. and I kind of put it down to. Because uh, you were sort of doing a new thing, which is actually talking about like being depressed and yep. stuff, and sort of engaging with that more, yeah, uh, and and making your persona on stage closer to that, mm. which is you know closer to the the real you off stage, mm-hmm. um, and it seemed like maybe one in four or five gigs was going really well, and yep. then like sort of three or four. Um, were just like not going well, and so the, is the material the same, and like you feel like you're performing it differently, or is the material evolving and just getting better? Yeah, the material's the material's getting better. Yeah, um, like I think because it's more or less the same stuff, but it'll be getting refined, right? Yes. Yeah. 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 Um, and yeah, the run that I was having where I was doing quite badly, like the the material I am doing now about depression is slightly different from what you might have said. I think maybe you saw me that time. Um, I think like just before you left, and I like basically like. <laughs> rocked up the show was like held drunk and had been drinking all day and i did material about like uh how my new like life hack was to drink in the morning oh uh, i remember that yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so yeah. that that particular remind day, me how the audience yeah. reacted to that um the, i, I think fr- that actually went all right it actually did go all right yeah, yeah like it was pretty fun like i was i was clearly like shit face like you were clearly giving a cry for help 
and yeah. uh, no one provided. <laughs> no one provided. <laughs> People were just like, "Oh yes, uh, laugh, sad clown. L- yeah. We're gonna laugh at you, sad clown." Um, I think um, that particular day is what sort of precipitated. <laughs> oh my uh, god, that was because I, I, I don't think I. I don't think. Did I give you any help? I don't think I did. No, 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 no. Like no, none of us know, did. No, I mean, like, yeah, it was. <laughs> it was a quote-unquote cry for help, but uh, like, I was comedy. still together enough that, like, like in my normal way of mm. being, like, clearly. On, on the control. edge, but like <laughs> on the ropes, but like <laughs> holding it together enough that people like ah, he'll be fine for at least another twenty four hours, <laughs> <laughs> at least and at most. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, following that, um, I was like, oh, I need to not drink any alcohol anymore. <laughs> um, and but that's like maybe the I need to- second or third time in six months, right? Like yeah. that you've come to that? Yeah. But this, I don't know, this felt... But this time I mean it. <laughs> well, yeah. Um, you know, like, I, it, 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 I, basically, I just got up that morning and by like 9am I was like, fuck it, I'm going to get drunk. <laughs> and I, gotta, just- I gotta say, I have done that um, like I don't, I don't, I definitely have like an addictive personality, mm. but I don't have necessarily the same, uh, shall we say it, uh, a little bit extreme relationship with alcohol that you uh-huh. do. Um, but fuck, man, it is great drinking in the morning. Like it is so <laughs> incredibly fun. I'm not gonna say it's healthy, right? Yeah. But it is fun as shit. It, yeah. I love it. Yeah, it. And definitely, I mean, that the day- huge surprise to me is that you were still able to, like, in the evening, go mm. out and do stand-up. Because when I drink in the morning, it's like, oh, 2 p.m., I'm fucked. And, like, I might still be awake until 5 or 6, but, like, I'm not aware, I'm not aware mm. enough to leave the house. Mm. How am I going to do that? Well, Jez, that's the difference between you and I. I'm, I'm a professional. <laughs> you're a career. I'm a professional <laughs> you're a- and you're a, you're a rank amateur. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> um... But, uh, but yeah, so, like, I, I went and I did all that material about, um, um, yeah, drinking in the morning yep, and yep. my toilet are working, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> and I'm continuing to do that stuff because I think it's good material and it, like, it is true. Like, that's, sure, yeah, that's yeah, yeah. the condition I was in when I wrote that. Um, but, um, but yeah, that 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 particular oh, day when I wrote all this material that I'm now doing is mm-hmm. the day that I was like, oh no, I need to make some changes. <laughs> <laughs> so I got that last little bit of material about extreme depression. Yep. And uh, and now I'm trying to like, fix cl- this fucking cl- yeah, climb your way out of boat. it. Um, so here's I, I've got a question for you now. Then uh, comedy wise, because um, I think this is always an interesting thing, right? It was true when you wrote it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is less true now, but it's still obviously just just like recently happened or whatever. Yep. Do you present it when you talk to the audience? Do you present it as having happened today, still being immediate, or do you present it as this is like a few weeks ago? Because I really like when stuff is like hundred percent true. Mm-hmm. But this is something I've come to over the last probably year and a half is that uh, no, nah, it's cool if, if like you put a bit of artifice and a bit of craft onto it yeah. and some of that is pretending something's in media, even though like, I think that's a, almost a little bit played out now. Yeah. Like that whole, like sort of, um, like, uh, it, it, that false immediacy of like, Oh, this mm. happened to me on the way to the gig or, mm. or whatever. Um, so how are you presenting it to the audience? Um, well, currently I'm still presenting it as an ongoing thing. Like this has just happened. Yep. My toilet's still not working. Is Absolutely. your toilet working currently? Yeah, it's, yeah got, Great. got a new one installed. It's, That's it's good. I'm planning flushing, the shit. In it. That's <laughs> cool. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like I, I don't know. I'm gonna I'm gonna come in it so that you know I live here. Fucking Christ! All right, sorry, go on. Um, <laughs> yeah, so 
at the moment, I'm continuing to present it as though it's a contemporaneous thing that is yep, that yep. is occurring. Um, I can imagine myself doing it in the future in a retrospective sense, like yeah. particularly if I'm going. If you're to, getting better, and yeah, better. and I'm like I can't you know continue to present myself as being a wreck, a wreck if I am you know trying to not be a fucking disaster. Yeah, for sure. Um, and so you. But yeah, at the moment, I mean, um, that's the thing. That's that's totally fair, right? Yeah. Like, it's only weeks away. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah. I think that's that's totally right. I mean, it's but, really, it's really but, fair. Whatever yeah, you decide. In a, in a more abstract sense, like because it is something that was true, um, and it's not just something that I'm fabricating. I don't really have any qualms as presenting it as though it's something which is. Oh yeah, I think that's totally reasonable. Yeah. Um, like for a much ex- less extreme example, like um, like because I gave up smoking weed, like seven eight months ago mm-hmm. nine months ago but i used to smoke weed every day and i had these jokes every that day. I, er, er, day uh but like i had these jokes that i actually now hate doing and i think they're they're stupidly jokey mm-hmm. um but about smoking weed and yep. so i've done it a couple of times where i've been like oh this was true when i wrote the joke or whatever mm-hmm. and kind of like specifically said this is not still currently true but there's nothing else in my act that contradicts me smoking weed. So I kind of, mostly when I do them, I present it as still real. But I, I feel like for three or four months after after I wrote those jokes, I gave up pretty much after I wrote them, um, I felt like it was fine to do them still. And then I got to a point where it was just sort of separated in terms of time far enough that I was like, well, now it just feels dishonest. Yeah. To be still saying, like, oh, I still smoke weed or whatever. And not only that, like, I want to just be moving on from the material because Mm. it's just older material. Mm. Um, But, yeah, I don't know. I think that's something that you've got to come to yourself. It doesn't really matter what anyone else thinks about your comedy and how you present it. But I'm just always curious about, like, the kind of, I guess... Maybe ethics is not the word, but I guess uh, the approach people have to, to, to the truth of material or whatever. Yeah. I do think it's interesting that, like, within comedy, there is such an impetus on truth, and like, not for everyone though, not for everybody. But like, I, I would, I would say that's that's broadly true. Yeah, for, yeah, for sure. Like, like yeah, broadly I've, I've definitely heard like you know uh, comedians talking in interviews and stuff about like you know being disappointed when they found out that some great bit that another comedian did was something that completely fabricated because there does yeah. seem because there is something i don't know like it seems to take away some of the gravity or some of the impact of a bit if you find that it's just made up yeah like, i i hate finding that out and yeah. uh when i can identify it like as an audience member mm. and that i think you know the, the the longer you're in comedy like the better your sort of uh, your sense of that becomes yeah but like yeah when someone's presenting a bit and I can tell that it's fake, but they're presenting it as real. Like, yeah. It infuriates me so yeah. much. Because for me, I feel like it um, it devalues the stuff I do that's true. Uh-huh. And not everything I do is true or whatever. But like when I do, uh, when I say a bit and I say, like, and I'm presenting it as true, mm-hmm. and it is true, like I don't want the audience to potentially assume that I'm just like making it up out of whole cloth, right? Yeah. And that's the thing I think that gets to me about it is that like, oh, we're all sort of presented as part of the same uh, fabric yeah. of, yeah. of comedy. Like unless you're doing completely absurdist stuff. That's the thing. If it's clear that, yeah, even if, yeah. You, if you're presenting as true, but there's another layer yeah. to it where the audience is like, well, yeah, none of these things are true, yeah. then i got no issue. But yeah, there's sort of, I guess, like a shared expectation among the audience and between comedians in the audience that what most comedians are saying is true or there's this kind of like 
um, presumption of truthfulness mm. about what most comedians are talking about. Because, like, I don't know. I mean, I guess comedy nowadays, certainly, you know, it's very different from what it was back in the vaudeville days where it oh, was all sure. just... The whole thing know, was artifice. Artifice. Yeah. Whereas now, like, I don't know, I guess in, like, the 70s, this, like, it was personal like narrative... Comedy, right? Yeah, like, old, the old comedy through. movement, mm. like, really brought this forward. And now I think... Alt comedy basically just became comedy. Yeah, and now the alt, that- now now alt comedy is the more absurdist absolutely kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I don't know. I I don't know that 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 need for authenticity in art I think is kind of an interesting thing, and I think it's certainly like very true of stand up at the moment. Mm. But if you look back, I, this is I don't know. I, I very much doubt anyone else would remember this, but around the time that Sufjan Stevens' album uh, Come On Filthy Illinois came out, yes. um, there was kind of a backlash against that album because um, critics took umbrage at the fact that basically the songs on that album were fictional. And so like he was basically telling short stories right. rather than you know doing the folk singer-songwriter thing of telling true stories from his own life. Okay. And some people were critical of him as an artist for basically, yeah, singing fictionalized narratives in his songs. Because they felt like he was selling out the medium. Yeah. And I always thought that was completely ridiculous. That, like, why should there be a presumption just because he's playing an acoustic guitar that what he's yeah, saying... Yeah, just because you're in the genre doesn't yeah. mean you have to follow all the conventions of the genre. Yeah. So, yeah. I think that's kind of an interesting parallel to this in that, like, in an abstract way, like, why the fuck should it matter whether or not what you're saying is true? Like, if it's yeah. funny and if you have the craft to, like sell an audience on the story you're telling them absolutely yeah, yeah. then it's sh- you know like what does it matter if it really did happen to you because ben i get to decide what's right and wrong <laughs> and everyone should listen to me and all my opinions are the best um that's why oh, okay well that's fair enough yeah i think it's the yeah i think it's the like the 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 fundamental kind of uh uh ego and um arrogance but also um, desperate need for validation that drives most stand-ups in general. Mm. That like they want everything to conform to their opinion, but also feel like their opinion's invalid. So then, if anything challenges the opinion, and so for instance, say someone is doing successful stand-up in a way that they don't think is r- the right kind of stand-up, yeah. Well, that's like an attack now yeah. on you and your mm. beliefs. God, and so how dare they? Yeah. And so they must be evil now. Yeah. Like oh. it's, it's almost like a religious war. I've, I've never seen this kind of backlash uh, happen. <laughs> Can't think of any instances of people in the in the local scene. Uh, <laughs> this is startlingly true. <laughs> yeah, I just I just made a personal breakthrough. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. I think it's interesting. Um, uh, hey, since I've been th- I've been thinking about this. Just to change the subject or whatever. But um, so uh, do you think you're gonna make it? <laughs> do I think I'm gonna make yeah, it? Yeah. Do you think you're gonna make it in stand up? Mm, I don't know. Um, I I I never really had that assumption. Like. I guess I've never really operated from the assumption that anything in my life is going to be successful. Uh, there's that there's that depression talking. Yeah, um, yeah, for sure. Yeah, but we'll check back with you in another three podcasts, yeah. and you'll be like, <laughs> "Yeah, no, I think it's going to be good. It's going to be all right. It's going to go well." Yeah. Um, it's really kicked in. Um, like, yeah, I but always. If, if you I, had to look at it now, mm. even though you didn't go with that assumption, if you had to look at it now, like, do you give yourself any chance of sort of making it? And also, what does making it even look like? Well. For, for I, you I, and your when I was like when I was like a year or two in, I thought of myself like I don't think that I'm because you're who's four years now? four yeah yeah four years because we started around the same time yeah yeah, yeah. um 
I used to think like I I'm not naturally talented enough to be like you know like really successful as a comedian. I right. think if I like really worked at it and really applied myself, I could be a pretty good comedian and mm-hmm. maybe get like work as a TV writer. Yeah. Um, but obviously, and you already look there. Jewy, and so I, yes, <laughs> like yes. you got a leg up on the <laughs> process. I feel like that could be a hindrance. Oh, because um, they've already got the the Jew component covered. No, or, but here's the thing: you're going to look Jewy, but uh-huh. be white. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the best of both worlds. Yeah, exactly. Um, I'll edit that bit out. And um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, edit point the podcast has returned. <laughs> um, but obviously, main song we block to that is that I am not at all a hard worker. <laughs> the, yeah, I mean, I think that's true. Uh, this is the thing. I'm really curious to see how um, some more emotional stability in your life affects mm. like your drive, just in general. Yeah. Um, and here's the thing. I don't know if it means that you'll be driven to do something of merit in your life <laughs> and, like, we'll just leave stand-up completely mm-hmm. and leave, like, entertainment completely and just be like, no, no, I'm going to do a thing with my life now yeah. that, like, maybe has more than a vanishingly small chance of any kind of real success. Mm-hmm. Like, um, you remember Tian Tran? Yeah. I say re- you remember because he's yeah. dead to me now because <laughs> he's left stand-up. Um, has Tian left stand-up? He has, he has. So, t- yeah, so Tian, um, really good, like for anyone who's listening or whatever, like, like, uh, really talented stand-up, like, got, uh, Comedy Zone early in his career and, uh, was having, like, real success, like, touring shows, was it moved to Sydney to pursue stand-up further. Mm-hmm. Um, I ran into him when I was in Sydney. I came to a, 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 like, a house party of the house I was living in, mm-hmm. uh, cause I'm not a guy who goes to house parties. House parties come to me, is what I say. Uh-huh. Um, but anyway, I was staying in the garage. It's not like I was, I was ki- killing it. Um, but I saw Tian and, uh, yeah, he's just gone back to being an engineer. He's a qualified engineer. Yeah. And he just got to a point in stand up where he was still getting success and getting paid and to do it and sort mm. of touring around, but he didn't have a love for it anymore. Yeah. And he felt like to continue doing stand up without a love for it was an insult to stand up and also, I would imagine a poor use of his time because he's yeah. an engineer yeah. and now he's like, just got a re- a good quality of life because he's got a decent amount of money. Uh, it seemed like even if he didn't like, if he's not in love with his job, like he's getting more out of it than he was stand up. Yeah. Cause and, I mean, that, that's yeah. Like, like there's a part of me that like feels insulted cause he was good. Sure. And like, I hate it when someone who's talented at stand up cause that's somewhat, Rare. There's loads of people who are yeah. in stand-up, but people who are naturally talented at it. Yeah. Uh, I feel like it's like a crime against comedy if they leave, you know? But, like, obviously, there's another much more reasonable part of me that's mm. like, nah, bro. Like, if your life is not good in it, and it's such a hard, like, industry to be in, yeah. and then if you find something else that fulfills you more, then you should absolutely leave stand-up and go and do that thing. Yeah, yeah, totally. Like, it was that idea of, like, does what you do, like signify who you are as mm. a person like and like yeah maybe you want to be a stand-up comedian and maybe you, you're good at being a stand-up comedian um and there's things that you get out of it but like there are so many other aspects to your life and what mm. like what uh, d- uh, like d- defines your quality of life yeah um and you know maybe if you you know maybe you're not in love with your day job or whatever but the fact that it earns you good money and you can have a lot of other things in your life because of that, that yeah, might be sure. more important. Yeah, you can have other hobbies and like personal relationships mm. and fulfilling things in your life that aren't getting up in front of a microphone and making a bunch of people listen to you talk about your dick. 
Yeah, I mean, you don't have to talk about your dick. I know, um, but, you know, I do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just putting it in my terms. Yeah. Yeah, my dick and cum is, is most, <laughs> most of the subject matter. And also, Which, yeah, how I'm just a mess. Yeah, it's often a subject matter for this podcast as well. It does come up a lot, it, and I'm on every episode, so that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, and you're the one who brought it up now. Yeah, um, well, all right, well. Let's, let's, anyway, let's just... Uh, <laughs> let's have one podcast where we don't talk about cum. Uh, yeah. All right. Okay, good. So, um... <laughs> edit point? Edit points. <laughs> so, yeah, all right. So, uh, I saw a... Uh, actually, I didn't even say this, but uh, I was talking with Glenn about uh, comedy and making and all this kind of stuff mm-hmm. this morning um, at uh, at Ikea, which is a fucking great job that we have. Uh-huh. Um, and he was saying how uh, he saw a picture of, uh, of Patton Oswald. Uh, sitting alone at an Arby's mm-hmm. uh, with like a huge gold award sitting next to him, like a yep. sort of angel award. Yep. I don't know what it was it's for. A, it's a great photo. All right, so you've seen this yep. photo as well, um, and just looking sad, just miserable and depressed. Um, and uh, yeah, Glenn brought that up, and he was just like, "Yeah, man, like there is no making it." <laughs> and uh, like, I think that is certain that I, uh, there's something I've been thinking about, like, cause it's coming up to the end of the year or whatever. Mm-hmm. And it's time for reflection and all that kind of stuff. Um, I, I've done a lot of stuff this year that I ha- wouldn't even have imagined last year, mm-hmm. but I still feel like a total piece of shit as far as, um, stand up and my skills in it and my ability to do anything of value in it. Yeah. Um, but I mean, I, I would imagine that's like filtered through like a, maybe a self-hating subjective lens. Mm-hmm. But if that was, if I was looking at it objectively, I'd have to be like, no, I'm clearly better. I've done a lot more things. I've got more material. I'm happy with my material. I get better reactions from crowds. But like, really, when I think about it, I'm just like, well, no, I'm, I'm nowhere near where I want to be. Yeah. So I'm, I can't be happy with yeah. where I'm at. Yeah. Um, and well, yeah, I guess like... And I think Patton's a great extreme of example of that. Yeah, I mean, in fairness to Pat Oswalt, his wife did die suddenly. Yeah, uh, I don't know when the photo was. Like, yeah, that's exactly what Glenn and I were talking about this morning. It's just like just sitting there, just being like, "I miss my wife." Yeah. Um, well, I, I believe that that photo was taken after the Emmy Awards for which he won something earlier this year, um, and that was like two months after his wife died. Oh, it was after. Yeah. All right. But well, I think, never mind. I still think I still yeah. think it's great as an object lesson. Yeah. Although, I don't, like, p- fuck, I don't know. I, I don't know <laughs> what was going through <laughs> Patton Oswalt's mind. I, you know, I'm just like... Yeah, I don't know what you're going to say now. Like, basic, like, pop psychology. Oh, the guy's wife died. It's probably sad. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, yeah, I guess, like, you know, kind of going up the the rungs of the ladder, like, you know, each thing that you do, like, you know, when I did the Royal Comedy State Final and I performed at His Majesty's Theatre, I was mm-hmm. like... Oh my god! This is the fucking hugest audience I've ever performed to, and all this kind of stuff. But then, like a couple of days after that, I was like, "Oh, that doesn't matter." Like, yeah, it's just it's just another it's just another step. Well, yeah, and that's the thing. Like, there's no end point. Like, yeah, because every time, um, every time I've like made a some kind of a leap, like mm. personal leap in stand up, um, I and I keep doing it. I keep assuming that okay, well, now that I've done this thing. Now, everything after this is going to be equal to or better than that. And the way it happens is you get stuff that's above you. Mm -hmm. And so, you have like this tiny little jump. And then you will go back like a sort of, um, what is it, a regression to the mean, you know. like And that mean progress is increasing. But like you're going to always like sort of schizophrenically jump high and low in in stand-up, right? Mm -hmm. Um, So, like when I opened for Duncan Trussell, 
I was like, yeah, man, like I made it. It's all, it's all good now. And then I had like a shitty open mic and I was like, ah, oh, it's fine. That was just one gig. And then I had like a second shitty open mic and I was like, oh, you know, it's all right. Like the next one, I'm going to crush it. And yeah. then like had a third shitty open mic and I was like, ah, oh, oh, I'm just exactly where I was. Yeah. I guess like what it comes down to is that unless you are like uh, yeah like the happiness comes from you not doesn't come from the things from like external yeah validation. you've got to be you've got to be validated by yourself and who you are and then like you can sort of accept the good things as being good things and the bad things you can kind of push aside i Ooh, guess someone's on prozac someone's on prozac <laughs> I, someone's gonna, mentally well i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna read you a poem now by, by kurt vonnegut Oh, I love Vonnegut. Okay, um, cool. All right, so this is a poem um, which I think is just entitled Joe Heller, which is about uh, Joseph Heller, guy who wrote Catch-22. Sure. Uh, it goes like this. True story, word of honor. Joseph Heller, an important and funny writer, now dead, and I were at a party given by a billionaire on Shelter Island. I said, Joe, how does it make you feel to know that our host only yesterday may have made more money than your novel Catch-22 has earned in its entire history? And Joe said... I've got something he can never have. And I said, what on earth could that be, Joe? And Joe said, the knowledge that I've got enough. Not bad. Rest in peace. That's pretty good. Oh, yeah, pretty good. Pretty That's pretty good. good. Greatest Kurt Vonnegut, right? Kurt Vonnegut is like my favorite fucking author, and I haven't read anything by him in years. Partly because he's dead and he hasn't generated any new material, and partly because I haven't really read shit in the last two years. I don't know why. Something in my brain just switched, and I stopped reading books, which I think just makes me a dumb cunt at this point. But um, hey, thanks, thanks to Ben for for sharing his experience of of what it's going to be. Like, I actually am really curious to like check in with him in another few weeks. Um, obviously, just as his friend or whatever. But I think it's you know, interesting to maybe see um, how um, how his perspective perhaps will evolve and, and change over time uh, with treatment. Like, I've always been kind of afraid of uh, stuff that alters your neurochemistry that you don't buy from just some random guy in a sweatshirt like behind a building um for some reason like i've always been fine buying illegal drugs to like modify my brain chemistry for funsies but then the idea that someone like a professional would like prescribe me something and i would go and i would take it from you know i know exactly what i was getting and it was for a purpose for some reason that terrifies me like i i i just it's it's so scary to me that i would alter my I guess maybe it's that it's this whole idea of dependency, but also just that it would that you are on it all the time. Like when I take illegal drugs, I'm fucked up for like an hour or two, and then I'm me again. Um, and it's that sort of fear, I guess, that you would be a different version, a not true version of yourself. But I don't know. Maybe I've I've heard so many positive things about um, being on on like actual you know dr- like drug treatment for mental illness and whatnot. Um, that I think it's just something a little bit crazy in me, but anyway, 
brought us by the bar. Uh, thank you guys for uh, for uh, tuning in once again. Uh, if you like, you follow me on Twitter at Infinite Jazz. Uh, you can tweet to me if uh, maybe if you've gone on something because Ben's on Prozac. I'm curious, like what what the different drugs uh, do, uh, and uh, and I know there's like a lot of side effects that can happen as well. Like it's I don't know. That's another terrifying thing is that like these. Uh, I think neurochemistry, and I maybe should know this better because I do now have a fucking master's in neuroscience, but I don't know shit about it. But like I think neurochemistry is like so it's so different between people. Like we're all essentially the same, but then when it comes to the brain, like we're all very slightly different in all these different kinds of ways. And so drugs, just the same drug affects different people, like quite differently. And so your side effects can be crazy and like hardcore, or they could be virtually non-existent with the right drug that's right for you. And then, you know, things just work or don't work or, or make things better or worse. And I don't know. It's, you know what? I fucking respect I respect Ben for realizing or, you know, maybe uh, finally acknowledging, like, I think he's probably realized for a long time he's, like, had this problem, um, but but really recognizing that it was time to, like, sort of seek treatment and, and take a potentially quite scary step um, of, of getting it. Um, so, well fucking, well done to him. Anyway, um, guys, that's the episode. Uh, next week we'll be back with another fun one. I thought this one was uh, well... Uh, worth the listen though so uh, I hope you did too Um, thanks once again Uh, that has been Brief Interviews with Hideous Man for another week Uh, and my name is Jez Watts have a good
Stop!